This podcast is meant for general health information and is not meant to override any medical advice. All questions will be screened and not contain any personal information. If you want a private consultation, contact us via positivechoice.org or you can contact your provider directly. Thank you and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Positive Choice Wellness Podcast. My name is Melanie. I am an exercise physiologist and nutritionist. And my name is Kimberly, and I'm a registered dietitian. Hello, and welcome back, Kimberly. Hello. Welcome back to you, too. How are you? Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Good. Same, same. Doing well. Great. Well, I am really excited for our topic today, primarily because... This is about the time of year where people decide to go into, let's get our summer bods ready, right? Hear that yes. a lot? Heck yes. <laughs> yeah, people are ready for the sun. Yep. Yeah, you know, because summer's coming up, and I think people are like, let's get fit for summer, which, like, my argument is you should be getting fit for you, not for a season. Um, But, you know, yes, that's, that's another conversation for another day. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, today's topic I'm excited about because it's about burning fat. Yes. Uh-huh. And... I have gotten that question probably in every single class I've ever taught where they're like, hey, how do I burn fat? Can I do stuff to burn fat? What about crunches? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Spot reducing fat, maximize burning fat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 such a complicated topic, but a fun topic. And it can dive both into the fitness and nutrition world, which is why I'm very excited. So let's get started. Let's dive in. Let's which uh, my background is a pool. So, I mean, it looks like I'm swimming anyways. Uh, you Perfect. can't see it. We're a podcast. So, uh, <laughs> so as far as burning fat is concerned, what are some of the, like, you know, do you have any like specific questions you've gotten from patients around burning fat in terms of, you know, like what, what are they asking you specifically? Or is it just very vague? Like, how do I burn fat? Cause I've gotten that one before, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I've gotten that. How do I burn fat? Um, but also things like, um, you know, looking for a miracle fix, like something simple I can eat or take that would maximize burning fat, right? Um, miracle exercise, or like you mentioned, like doing crunches or something, a specific move that helps maximize burning fat. Um, I think that's the most common for me is like the generic, but also what is something like quick and easy I can do that will help my yeah. body burn fat. Yeah, aren't we but uh, quick and easy folks, right? Like, what's the fastest <laughs> yeah. way we can get to our goal? Fast, simple, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think let's start with, I don't know. Do you want to start with the nutrition side or the fitness side? I'm, I'm yeah. indifferent to either. I, I, I like both. I'll talk about both regardless. But where would we like to start? Both are great. Let's start with, um, let's start with nutrition just because I feel like it's going to be a little bit more brief than exercise. Exercise yeah. will be I like thorough. It. Let's do it. Let's talk it. Okay. So nutritionally, is there anything you can take to burn fat? (laughs) I mean, if only, (laughs) that would be so nice. No, unfortunately there is not like a, a wonderful tea or a miracle vegetable or whatever that helps maximize burning fat. I think that kind of where that's come into people's minds, or at least maybe where it originated from is kind of what I'm trying to say is some foods do take more energy and effort for our bodies to actually digest and break down, which does mean more energy means more calories being spent towards breaking down that food in our body. So would that be like celery? 
Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like a high fiber food. Yeah. Okay. Cause I heard um, that like, doesn't celery have negative calories? Like you burn more than it has. Right. And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, probably, maybe, I don't know. Let's yeah. ask a dietitian, Kimberly. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> right. Same with, um, yeah, heard the same thing. Same with like, you know, strawberries or whatever, something that's really low calorie, um, but is like, you know, full of fiber or perhaps high in protein or whatever it can take longer, more effort for your body to break it down and release it into their system, which is a good thing. But I mm-hmm. think it's important to keep in mind too, that the calories we burn from digestion, uh, in a whole entire day is like pretty minimal in comparison Mm -hmm. to like what we could burn moving our bodies physically. Right. Um, so anyway, I just, I feel like that's probably where that came from, right? Like the, should I eat something that takes my body more calories to like break it down type of thing? Um, and typically, yes, those are like good foods for us. Like they're high in fiber. Like I said, they're foods we want to eat more of, but it's not gonna, yeah, exactly. But it's not gonna make us burn like several hundred calories extra every single day, if that makes sense. I think, I think the diet industry has really ingrained that into our brains a bit though, where we have this idea that, oh, if I eat certain foods, it'll burn more calories. But like in the grand scheme of things, I don't really think there's any true amount of food we can eat that would be less calories than we're burning consuming it, you know? Like, mm-hmm. so otherwise we'd all be the weight we want to be if that was the case, you know, like if eating burned yeah. as much as it was, then, you know, <laughs> why don't we just That'd do be the that dream. all the time? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're dead on. Yeah. So yeah. And I, I, I have heard the same thing with the celery thing. And it's like, it's negative calories. If you eat it, you burn more calories than it has. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to take that and run with it and go, well, then let's live our lives this way because that's not the reality because I don't think there's amount of, um, you know, any amount of cheeseburger that you can eat that would require more calories to burn than it, it contains. Um, yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Right. And if someone were only eating celery too, on the opposite end of that spectrum, that's a whole different issue. Right. So yeah, it's, yeah, you're definitely we'll be right. lacking some nutrients right there. Like, yeah, yeah. celery is great, but where's your protein? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, okay. So there's no, like, obviously there's foods that can, in, in be more of a calorie burner when you consume them. They are you know, tougher to break down, but it's mm. not a fix. Not going to solve the problem here. Correct. Correct. The amount of a difference that it makes is rather small in okay. comparison to where we can burn other calories. So definitely. Now I've, I've heard and like, I mean, heck we t- partially teach this in our curriculum for healthy balance is omega threes, right? Like you've heard about omega threes boosting metabolism, which, you know, if, if for those of you who are not aware of metabolism, that's your constant daily calorie burn. And, you know, if you eat fish oil or, you know, supplements that provide omega threes, doesn't have to be fish oil necessarily. You could boost your metabolism, right? So is that significant? Would that help us burn more fat? Um, you know, such a good question. I think that it is fair, the confusion that that causes. I, the, there's a lot of benefits to omega threes and incorporating them into our diet. Uh, the effect would probably be about the same as like we were talking about with cell with celery. Um, of, yes, it could take our body more calories to actually burn and break down that food, but it's not going to be an overwhelming amount, uh, that makes a significant impact on your day. So there's super benefits to omega threes. Um, but not necessarily in terms of like ramping up our metabolism, if like a dramatic amount. We're just going to make people sadder and sadder on this show, aren't we? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so 
So, I mean, yeah, that's the thing I was thinking, too, is like, it can't be that significant. Because, again, like, if it was, we'd all be at the weight we'd like to be if that was the case. Right. Yeah. You know, exactly. like, oh, just pop some omega-3s and you're set. Like, don't worry about it. You'll burn all the calories. Like, yeah, that's not how life for the day. No. If yeah. only. And then, you know, that's actually another point, too, that I want to bring up as well, because I'm just listing off stuff that I've seen in our curriculum that yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, I, I would love to get more information on it. Because, of course, there's the concept of protein. Right. So like, you know, it can help redirect how we're gaining fat. So it doesn't necessarily burn it, but it can definitely be an aid in in preventing extra storage of it, which would be, you know, kind of a silver lining. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The benefits of protein also massive for sure. And as you can imagine, too, when when a lot of the people we work with are eating in a calorie deficit, right, to lose mm-hmm. weight, uh, getting a good healthy amount of protein in your in your diet when you are in a deficit does also help preserve that lean muscle mass, which thus is going to help keep your metabolism moving and grooving throughout the day too. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yay, big protein fans over here. <laughs> but I think I think what I'm surmising from our conversation so far there there isn't a magical food that you can eat, right, no. or drink. No like, magic what, beverage. What about caffeine? What about caffeine though? Like I've heard, I've heard green tea. You know what? I've heard the same thing about green tea and, uh, same thing. It's because of the effort <laughs> it takes your body to digest and break down. Uh, that's the most unfun answer probably of all time. If you enjoy <laughs> your green answer. tea, I know if you enjoy your green tea, drink it, but don't, I wouldn't, you know, bend over backwards to drink gallons of green tea a day, hoping that it's going to boost your metabolism. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, caffeine is a stimulant and green tea does have quite a bit of caffeine in it. So, you know, right. for those of you who don't know, it does. And, mm-hmm. you know, a stimulant is great in terms of giving you that energy boost that you may need. But as far as calorie burn, it's not necessarily related. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what a exactly. disappointment. What a disappointing conversation, Kimberly. How dare you? <laughs> uh, but you're going to turn it around for us. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you can help, though. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. So the, the basic general conversation we're going to leave here with is uh, you can't really boost your metabolism with food or drinks or really anything. You know, I've seen, um, you know, all sorts of advertisements for like not medications necessarily, but like supplements or pills, like metabolism booster. And then, you know, those, those all hokum. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Yeah. They just want your money, which is Ah. unfortunate, but so yeah, to like, to summarize, eat your fruits and your vegetables, eat your whole grains, have your protein, right? Um, don't go, you know, out of your way to spend copious amounts of money on different crazy fad like things like that, that are just really, really good at marketing to you, uh, and focus on what we've known to be real and true for a very long time, uh, which is, you know, eating more of the earth, get our protein in there, natural foods, less ingredients, right? And those are all things that are going to benefit you and your metabolism in the long run. Yeah. Facts. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So then I guess nutritionally, I think we've reached that, right? I know. Yes. I mean, obviously, and this is not the conversation we're going to have, but you know, there's obviously medications out there that can stimulate your metabolism and and do that, but that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about medical interventions. We're talking about food interventions or, I don't know, behavioral or lifestyle interventions that may involve or not involve exercise. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about my topic. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Now, I do know that there are a a couple of ways we can affect our metabolism, you know, 
via exercise. So it's not bust. You're not like, well, I guess that's it, you know? So I always love to share this little tidbit because when we talk about metabolism, you know, that's your body burning calories to stay alive, right? That that's our, you know, constant burn, if you will. It's what you're doing just to exist, <laughs> the tax mm-hmm. of existing. And, you know, your your brain moving, your heart pumping, your eyes blinking, your lungs breathing, everything that happens internally is burning calories, which are just energy. And so we're constantly mm-hmm. burning calories. And if we want to target fat, you know, a little bit of that might have to come from the type of exercise that we're doing, right? But I always like to share this, you know, let's say we're in a weight loss zone, you know, you don't have to be losing weight to want to shift your composition because like burning fat does not necessarily equate to weight loss. It could be building muscle and losing fat simultaneously. Um, But if we're in a weight loss position and let's say our goal is to lose fat, I think most of us, if we were to lose weight, like, yeah, I'd like to lose some fat. That sounds like a good idea. Um, If we were to attempt to start to lose fat, what people don't realize is you're going to lose a combination of muscle and fat pretty much regardless of what you do. And the losing muscle part's the problem here, not the fat part. Because guess what? What does muscle do? Like, I'm not going to ask you, Kimberly. What does muscle do for us? <laughs> Burns calories. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it keeps us strong, keeps us able to do stuff throughout our day, keeps us living yep. our, you know, you know, independent lives, right? Mm. And it will start to decline. That's the problem here. It will start to decline with weight loss because your body is very primitive. It's like feast or famine. Uh, it is famine. If you're trying to lose weight, you are in a famine. Doesn't matter if you know you're not in a famine, your body does not know that. It's like, no, 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 it's famine time. This is bad. And as a result, it wants to hold on to your fat. That is what is happening internally. It's going to go, nope, I don't want to lose this. This is not going to happen. And that's why it's so tough to lose weight, by the way, if you're wondering. This is part of the problem here. It's because your body is stubborn and doesn't want to get rid of fat. And this is why I will put my little PSA in about strength training, because if anybody knows Melanie, they know Melanie loves to talk about strength training. And when you choose to incorporate strength training, which could be lifting weights, it could be body weight exercises, it could be resistance band exercises, you know, there's a plethora of things we can do out there. Machines, TRX, you know, whatever. If you incorporate strength training, it's the use it or lose it principle. If you're using it, you don't lose it. So what ends up happening is you're essentially tricking your brain, okay? You're telling your brain, hey, I know you're trying to lose weight and you're trying to hold on to that fat. However, we need the muscle. And if you're eating away the muscle, we can't do anything with it. So we kind of need to keep that. And your body goes, ah, shucks. Okay, well, I guess I'll just keep the muscle and you can just eat away at the fat instead. And so as a result, you're more or less like dictating which type of weight you're going to be losing here because you're using that muscle. Your body can't lose it anymore. It has to keep it. And I'm not saying you're going to like look super ripped and buff. Like you absolutely can if you want to. But if you're just doing basic strength training a couple times a week, that's one of the most effective ways to burn fat. (laughs) Indirectly. I love that. (laughs) Indirectly. I love that. So you're saying are like when you engage your muscle with strength training, when you're eating in a calorie deficit to lose weight, that's kind of like a flag to our system. Like, Oh, Hey, we need this stuff. Keep it. Mm -hmm. And like switches it to burn fat instead. That's legit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, a lot of people, their first assumption when we're talking about like burning fat, like do cardio, right? You've heard that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They're like, just just go out, go walking, go do some cardio, like that'll burn the fat. And like, heck, you see that on uh, workout machines, like the fat burning zone. You've seen that. 
Yes, yes. <laughs> All over those machines. <laughs> Do you know what the fat burning zone is on that machine? No. Like what it actually is? No. Okay, so this is, I, I love talking about this because it's so funny because it's, it's like the biggest farce out there. I'm so uh, intrigued. <laughs> oh, when we look at the fat burning zone on a lot of like, you know, workout machines, and we're talking like a treadmill or an elliptical or a bike or something, right? Like you're at a gym and you're on one of those things, or maybe you have one at home. It's like fat burn zone. Right. And they usually have I would, the handholdy things, right? To yeah. Like, like the like a heart rate monitor. Heart rate thingy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. What's interesting about it, I would say like a majority, not all, because some are, some are cool. Some have smart creators, I guess, but like a majority <laughs> of them, it's not, it's actually not, not smart. There's still, it's still correct. I'll explain. Mm. But a majority of machines say fat burning zone, which is actually low intensity exercise, extremely low. It's actually very light activity. Wow. Right. And so logically you think, wait, what? <laughs> like, yeah low intensity like a casual stroll or lightly riding your bike through the park like it's very casual <laughs> and they're not wrong that's actually a fat burning zone because your body burns fat when you're at rest at low intensities but it's not the fat you're thinking that's the problem here it's not body fat stores that we're burning it's free floating fatty acids in your bloodstream that just are there so your body is pulling from like fatty energy. acids in your cyst. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, oh, cool. There's a little fat blob. Oop, gonna use that. Oop, gonna use that. And it's not your fat stores. And it's also, it's not that, that's not the fat that's storing in your body either. So the f blood fat that you have floating around in there, that's just happening. happening. It's just there. You use it. Right. Cool. It doesn't store. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. How interesting is that? Mm -hmm. That's so, cause when you're. You're totally right. When you're trying to hit that fat burning zone on those machines, the the intensity level feels like on a scale of one to ten, you feel like you're at like a three. You know, yeah. like it's pretty low. Exactly. Um, how interesting. But okay. they're not lying though. That's the thing. They're not lying because that is a right. fat burning zone. It's just what the layperson doesn't get is that's not the fat they think they're burning. They they right. aren't burning the fat they want to burn. And right. so it's it's not deceptive because again it, it from a scientific standpoint they're not wrong. It's just mm -hmm. your goal needs to shift to a different type of zone to actually utilize the fat, right? Yeah. So you know when we talk about burning fat and targeting belly fat, it's it's not the fat burning zone on the treadmill or the bike or whatever. It's actually going to be something else <laughs> entirely. Ooh. It's actually significantly harder, which is interval <laughs> training. Yes. Ooh, I love me some good interval training. Yeah. And like we've had a podcast before on like cardiovascular interval training. And like I think mm -hmm. Lizzie's been on her before talking about her power walking, which can also be interval based. And yes, you know, just to kind of surmise what interval training is, if you haven't listened to those previous episodes, is it's a it's varying your heart rate between like a low to moderate heart rate zone where you're not working too too hard, but it's you know, it can be a little challenging, like the fat burning zone we just talked about. And then you decide to push it really hard and get your heart rate up to a high intensity zone. Like you're pushing it. And that's the fat burning zone right there is bouncing into that high intensity burn zone. Because when you get there, your body has to use up whatever energy it has left and you kind of run out. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, so it's supposed to be challenging, the interval. You should be, like, tired by the end, right? It, it, you should be sucking wind. You're not going to have yep. a good time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be like, wow, this is really hard. I kind of want to stop. This is great. Uh, let's end yeah. this now, please. Uh, 
and it, it can it, it can vary anywhere between 30 seconds up to one minute but just for the for the okay. sake of everyone listening just understand that a minute is extremely hard mm-hmm. um it's really hard to maintain it for a minute and most of the time 30 seconds is sufficient but if you can sustain what you consider and i'm putting air quotes up here in high intensity for longer than a minute you're not doing high intensity that's that's moderate that's a good indicator right there because some people think like their perceived effort you know we give ourselves some extra credit or something but oh we do that's a good indicator people people (laughs) love to be like pat pat you did great yeah good job buddy Uh, (laughs) which i mean i'm glad i'm glad people are out there working but yeah we do give ourselves a little too much credit where maybe Mm -hmm. it's not deserved um which totally intensity in this regard like you're not having a conversation with your buddy. You can't sing along with your music. You're feeling like you're huffing and puffing and you're like, when will this end? <laughs> and then yeah. it does. Cause it's only 30 seconds, maybe a minute. And then you get that long, like, you know, anywhere it can be actually anywhere from 10 seconds up to three minutes of just recovery. And this is mm-hmm. why it's a fat burner. Okay. Cause I'm describing intervals for like the layperson here, but the reason mm-hmm. why it's a fat burner is it's cause that recovery time, you're bringing your heart rate back down to a lower intensity so you can pull fat stores to then create more energy for the next time you decide to go high intensity again. Ooh, so it actually pulls from the fat stores we're looking to be mm-hmm. pulled from. It's Got like, it. I need energy and I need it now. I don't have time to wait. Just, let's go, buddy. Let's go. And it's fantastic. Like you can yeah. do a high intensity workout and burn fat simultaneously. Nice. Okay. I love that. Have a... Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have a recommendation for sometimes I get asked how long should your interval training session be? Like, do I do it for a half an hour? Do I do it for 20 minutes? Or does it depend on the person's like fitness level? I'm just curious sure. what your recommendations are. For sure. Fitness level. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like if you are just starting to work out, here's what I usually suggest. Like if you're just starting to work out and maybe you haven't worked out in a few months, you're like, all right, dusting off the rust, time to get back into it. I'm like, good job. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So Let's focus on a way we can do this where you don't die. Uh, you would never die, but you know, like you don't want to feel like you're That's dying. Yeah. The worst, the worst thing that happens is when people are not in shape and they try to do something really hard straight off the bat. I highly recommend just start start moving more first before you do intervals. Like, don't just jump headfirst into intervals if you're not at a good, not like good fitness level, but like a better fitness level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, start moving first because that's going to be hard enough as it is. Once you get into like a routine, you've been doing this for a few weeks, you're like, you're working, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm doing constant, like steady state, consistent exercise, getting my, my heart rate up to a moderate level consistently. I'm ready to change mm-hmm. things up. That's where you incorporate it. Because if you start early on, like you can, it's just really hard. It's, it's pretty right. tough to get started there. I would imagine but that's I'm not what saying makes you can't. people. Right, right. No, I would imagine that's what probably makes most people fall out of their exercise routine. Like, oh, this yeah. is just too hard. So establish some level of aerobicness, which is probably yeah. not the technical term. And, <laughs> and then once fitness. that's, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and then once that's established, then you can start pushing yourself a little bit into the interval. Exactly. And like I said okay. before, like you don't have to do it that way. That's just my personal recommendation for yeah. like people who are starting, who are novice. Um, you know, cause you, you, I don't want anyone to start a program and be like, ah, and never want to do it again. Uh, cause you get that a lot. <laughs> um, yes. Oh yeah. So start with the base, get yourself a base and then you can incorporate it. And if you do want to do it, here's usually the base recommendation is like, you know, it's two to three minutes off. So I call that your low to moderate intensity, sort of the, the low phase. And then up to one minute, I usually suggest 30 seconds as a starting point. So 30 seconds up to one minute as a high pace. 
and I shouldn't say pace, but um, it could be speed or it could be like resistance. You know, if you're walking up a steep, steep, steep hill, that can do the right. same as running, right? Mm-hmm. So it's about getting your heart rate up and how you do that is entirely on you. It doesn't have to be related to how fast you're going at all, actually. Okay. So nice. So really, I suggest like, you know, two off, 30 seconds on, repeat that five, six times. And you only have to do that a couple times a week. Yeah. Give or take. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I dig it. I dig it. That seems yeah. achievable too. Like I feel like in the midst of being like, oh, this is hard. Knowing that the hard part's 30 seconds is like a doable amount. You know, a minute to me is probably a little bit like, oh, but yeah, the 30 yeah. seconds is good. <laughs> Which I mean, honestly, if 30 seconds is a big ask for someone too, they can scale it back to 15 seconds. Like totally. Or 20 seconds. You know, it's it's ultimately is choosing a length of time that you feel like is doable for you. So if you're like, oh, I could do 15. Cool. That's all we want to do. Like, just go for 15 seconds. That's easy enough. Um, And, you know, cycling between the two. So you're like, I, w- I mean, I say two minutes off. You don't start with the two minutes, by the way. Like, do a five-minute warm-up. Mm. Then you do the 30 seconds. And then you do the two minutes. You don't go, okay, I get my break first. Like, no, you don't. <laughs> That's not how this works. Uh, you'd want to jump right in, That's but good. you could also like squeeze it into the middle of a workout or towards the end of a workout. Like maybe you're just, you know, doing steady state for the first half of the workout. And then at the end, you're like, mm-hmm. all right, try to, sh- t- let's try to change things up. And then you start doing the intensity plays, you know, Love that. Yeah. Definitely. But that's honestly like as it, as basic as you need. You can do it every day if you wanted to. I don't, you don't really need to. And I don't really think that's entirely healthy either, but you know, right. you know, a few times a week, that's totally healthy and normal. I love that. I think one of my favorite parts about interval training just personally is that it makes the time go by faster for me. And I, you know, I don't know. It just helps me like, you know, wrap my brain around the fact like, oh gosh, I'm halfway there. As opposed to when I'm like walking at a steady state, it feels so much longer. It gives you something to focus on for sure. Right. Like super, super easy. Just be like, okay, here's the next time increment. Like, let's do that. Um, and it doesn't have to be time-based either. It can be distance-based. You know, honestly, there's no wrong answer here. It's ultimately whatever you want to do. Cause like, if you're moving, there's no wrong way to move. Just move, please move, just move. Yeah. Yeah. That's the important (laughs) piece. Just move. Yeah. That is awesome. But it's really, truly one of the best ways to target fat. One of the the most effective ways to do it is, is interval training. And, you know, on top of that coupled with strength training, you know, it's so fantastic for you in so many ways. Yeah, that's a good little secret sauce right there. I um I had heard a doctor give a lecture once and he said that interval training also pulls uh fat from around our organs, visceral mm-hmm. fat. So that was kind of cool to me because let's talk about visceral fat. <laughs> let's talk do about it. visceral fat. I'm all about the it. What is visceral the fat? fat? The that fat. fat. <laughs> visceral Catchy. adipose tissue. Um well, I've I've talked about this like all week, so it's kind of like oh, it's right on the tip of my tongue here. I've been talking nice. about it all week. Uh, thankfully, my topic's in healthy balance. But anyways, um, <laughs> so visceral fat is incredibly dangerous. Uh, let's start there. Let's make people mm-hmm. sad. <laughs> visceral fat, unfortunately, that's the fat that's stored around your organs, right? So around your heart, around your kidneys, around your liver, around your intestines. It's in your thoracic cavity, so your trunk of your body, not on it it's in it okay yeah and the way i like to say it is you cannot see it you cannot squeeze it you cannot poke it it's it it's under your abs you can't see it at all 
Like I know a yeah. lot of people will sit there and like squeeze their arm or their belly. Go, is it this fat? Like, I, and they're jiggling. They're thinking you know, people jiggle their stomach at you. Like that yes. happens to me all the yep. time. Uh, <laughs> me too. <laughs> they're like this fat. You're like, why are you jiggling? <laughs> Stop. Stop. Um, yeah. But uh, so the the belly fat, if you can jiggle it. That's subcutaneous. That's not visceral fat. You can't do that mm-hmm. to visceral fat because you it, you have to reach inside your body. That doesn't work. So um, visceral fat stores around your organs. And the problem with visceral fat is because it's extremely dangerous, it's one of the you know issues we get with cardiovascular disease, with high blood pressure, with high cholesterol, with type 2 diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, almost every disease that we get from from being overweight can typically be related back to visceral fat in some right. way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I uh was one thing that was so interesting to me. I was talking to a patient once about visceral fat. Uh and this patient in particular had done like they had a former job performing autopsies or something of that nature oh. and said <laughs> yeah, and said that the fat in your torso doesn't just like float around in there. It's like fully encasing your organs, like fully Mm -hmm. wrapped around kidneys, liver, the whole thing, which puts that like unnecessary stress and whatnot on them. So anyway, I found that fascinating because I think a lot of people picture it as like free floating yellow bubbles, you know, but it's (laughs) like, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) That was a little mystical, but whatever. Um, but yeah, it encases our organs. It's definitely encasing our organs for sure. And Mm. like, you have to think of it this way. Like, I call it the thoracic cavity because that's what it is. Um, you know, right. between your shoulders and your hips, that whole trunk of the body is your thoracic cavity, okay? And it's where your organs live. And your body is designed to hold a certain amount of pressure in there based on the space of your organs. And when fat starts to develop inside that area, it puts a lot of pressure in that area, which is how we increase our blood pressure from the get-go. Um, you know, and then on top of that, it it just is extremely dangerous to have in general, but there is a silver lining, right? There's a very much a very good silver lining here, and that is it's the first fat to go. It is the most dangerous, but it's the first fat to go. Holler, that's exciting. Yeah. Like people don't realize that, right? But like think about no. it. If you if you go on a weight loss program and you start to lose some weight, and then you're like, Oh, my shirts, they fit so much better now. I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye visceral fat. Yeah. So it's, it's detrimental. Yes. It's dangerous. Yes. But it's easy to rid ourselves of it, which is good. So, you know, don't feel like you're like, ah, this is my death sentence. You know, it's not, it's fixable. Right. Right. Okay. That's awesome. That's actually really good news, especially because I know that there's like levels, right? Where if you, I mean, we can have some, right. Of that visceral fat. It's when it accumulates in greater amounts that it becomes more of a red flag. Every, everything in moderation, right? Like including right. fat content. Uh, and yes. so, yeah, like there are some people genetically, you'll never be a hundred percent free of visceral fat. It's just in your genes right. and there's no, there's nothing we can do to stop that. Right. So sorry, you lost the genetic lottery. There's nothing we can do. It happens to the best of us, you know, but it's just the excessive amounts and, you know, waist mm-hmm. circumference is a good indicator. Like waist circumference can be helpful because the other thing too, is there's no way to measure it, right? Like, it's it's really hard to measure visceral fat because it's under your abs. You can't like, oh, squishy, squishy calipers. Like, that's not how right. we do that. Right. And waist circumference is about the best we can get. And even mm. then, it's not even 100% because if you have fat on the outside of your abs, you're still measuring that too, you know? So right. that's yeah. a tough one. It's a tough one to to kind of focus on. But, you know, 
if you're doing the right things, if you're doing the right movements, if you're exercising, you know, if you're incorporating that strength training, if you're not selectively eating food to try to boost your metabolism, just eating for your health. Yes, eat for your health. <laughs> One thing on a positive nutrition note, actually, when it comes to visceral fat is if you do combine, like we like carbohydrates, right? They are fabulous mm -hmm. for us. We need to consume them. We just want to make sure that we pair our carbohydrates with a protein or a healthy fat source, right? And if we do that, it kind of slows down everything's release into our system, which uh, helps prevent that visceral fat being stored as well. So don't just have an abundance of toast, you know, maybe put some <laughs> avocado on your bread or something of that nature. No, dry, sad toast only. <laughs> <laughs> dry, sad toast. Oh my gosh, truly. <laughs> That was a bad example, but <laughs> well, no, like I use that example all the time. Like people don't realize this, but yeah, we, we are creatures that run almost entirely off of a uh, glucose, right? So yeah. carbs, well, broken down carbs, but you know, we function off of carbs. We need carbs. So as a result, uh, if, if we eat them, your body's quick to absorb them real mm. quick. Cause that's what we function off of. And if you don't slow that down, that's how you can quickly start to process things as visceral fat, you know? Maybe right. unintentionally, but obviously right. choosing the right things and not just relying solely on bread as a carb is a good start. Uh, you know, yes, maybe some fruit, some veggies, some beans. You know. Yeah, yeah, get some variety in there. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know, have having some of the healthy stuff, but yes, you know, kind of just to, to, to wrap up and summarize. But you know, at the end of the day, as far as the exercise, I'll summarize the exercise part. But you yeah. know, at the end of the day, getting in that movement focusing on getting that strength training so you can dictate fat loss, especially if you're in a weight loss zone, yeah. uh, doing your intervals to help target belly fat. There's no amount of crunches that'll burn belly fat, but you doing the strength training in general is just telling your body burn fat only, which is what we want to do. So by doing that, it's just a huge step just to help you physically that can really facilitate your weight loss in the right way. Yeah. You know, I love that. I think that's awesome. And uh, definitely something that I feel like could be easily implemented. Like you mentioned with the, the intervals only being, you know, you can do it a couple times a week, the strength training two or three times a week. I feel like that seems like an achievable number, you know? Yeah. And as I'll say always, something's better than nothing. So if you just start with one day, yes. that's better than nothing at all. I'll take it. Like let's 100 do one. Agree. That's good. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And Absolutely. It could be as simple as, Ooh, I'm going to jog to that tree and I'm going to walk to that light post and I'm going to jog to that parked car. And I say parked car because don't jog to a driving car. That's dangerous. Um, <laughs> so yes. like, whoop, whoop, there they go. They're gone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. Um, no. And then for the nutrition part, you know, general summary. Yeah. It, you know, no magic, uh, fix or cure all or whatever that is going to ramp up our metabolisms, unfortunately. So eat the things that we know are good and right for us, right? Fruits, vegetables, whole grains, protein, uh, make sure you pair your carbs with a protein or healthy fat. Right. And, um, and you'll be styling, combine that with the fabulous exercise advice and you're going to see some good positive changes in your life. Love it. Well, it's about that time. Oh, it is. I know. It goes so fast. <laughs> it really it does. goes so fast. <laughs> um, but for for everyone listening, please like, share, subscribe, you know, leave a comment if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, you know, let us know what you think. Let us know if you have any questions, what you'd love to learn about, you know, if we didn't touch on anything. We always like to hear what you want to say and share with yes. us too. So 
with that being said, you know, until next time, everybody. Bye. Bye.